Hello, boys and ghouls, and welcome to episode number six. It's back to school time, and what could be scarier than homework, or cafeteria food, or remembering your locker combination? Add monsters and psycho killers, and you've got the subject of our sixth episode, which we're calling Hack to School. You want to see something really scary? They come from the bowels of hell, a transformed race of walking dead. Zombies, exploding heads. Psychos, fanatics, murderers, nutcases. Now, do we all agree that what we are dealing with is vampires? I know that one of you is a werewolf. Ain't nothing but dead folks. I want to kill you. The so so You ever talk to a corpse? Satan is our pal. It's boring. Throw the third switch! Look! The third switch! Give my creation! I'll always try to insert them. I like school so though. I still like you saying always try to insert them. Should we are we gonna introduce Wait, everything? Wait, you know what? Uh, F, F this noise. Yeah. I'd <laughs> <laughs> I'd, I'd like to uh, start off by telling you about my new sweatshirt purchase. Your new sweatshirt purchase? Don't hype it up to be something it's not. Oh. <laughs> but you, you found it worthy for podcast material, so. Yeah. Okay. Well, you know my, my Guar sweatshirt? Yes, I do. I remember noticing that and saying, you're the, one of the only other people besides my brother who I know knows who Guar is. Well, there's a lot of people out there, but for the listening audience, it's a metal band that's been around for quite a while. And for reference... You can see them in the movie Empire Records, when one of the characters imagines himself at a Guar concert and on stage, and then one of <laughs> the beasts that they have on stage eats them. They perform in outfits. Uh-huh. They spray colored water onto the audience, which mm. just loves it. Yeah, they're all about the theatrics. I, that's how I think of Guar. It's just like a big old silly show. And they have, um, I mean, they've been doing it for so long, they'll bring out old monsters. They're old no, they're, no, they're classics that people will remember. When I saw them, they had a, a, like, Robo-Reagan. They dusted him off and brought him back oh out. Oh, my God. And whatever was going on in the news at the time, they would create, like, some kind of sure. hideous version of it. And then slay it with a giant sword on stage. Mm-hmm. Anyways, I have a good friend from high school, Ada, who toured with Guar for a while, and she was their merch girl. Yep. A merch slave, as she was referred to in the liner notes of one of their CDs, and she could not have been happier. So I got to be on Guar's tour bus a time or two. That was neat. I got to see them without their outfits on, although I really couldn't tell the difference between them and the roadies, because I didn't know what they looked like. That's funny. And so every time Guar would come through LA, I'd get to hang out with Ada. Right. And one of the first times, she gave me my Guar hoodie. Uh-huh. Yep. That and, story I've heard. And the night she gave it to me, I took her uh, ice skating. And we were the only people over the age of nine on the ice, both wearing Guar merchandise. That's classy. Yes. And bad news, I lost my Guar hoodie. <gasps> That's the story? No. It's summertime right now, and I can't remember the last time I put it on. Like, it was when the weather was cool, which was so long ago, it's a distant memory. Yeah. So I had to go out and buy myself a new hoodie. Mm-hmm. And I went down to the local Halloween town, <gasps> Burbank's own all-year Halloween store. I plan on going there this weekend. For what? To hang out, actually. <laughs> Nothing in particular. Just to run I the just merchandise. love the atmosphere so much. Just throw the merch on the floor and roll around there. That's right. But they fed, there was a Guar sweatshirt there then. 
No. No. At the end of the story, I do not get a second Guara sweatshirt. I went and I found a sweatshirt that I liked with like bones down the arms. Mm -hmm. And I like that look. Uh, I sometimes see photos of Rob Zombie wearing like a leather jacket. Yeah, I've seen that. With that. And as cool as that is, I don't think I can pull that off. And... What if I'm somewhere and then he's somewhere and we're both wearing the same thing? That's just way too awkward. I know. So forget that. Yeah. But I got the hooded sweatshirt with the uh, skeleton arms. Awesome. And I'm like pleased with my purchase and I take it home and I hang it in my closet. And then it's like, time for bed. Turn off the lights. It glows in the dark. (gasps) Nice. Bonus. I own a sweatshirt now that glows skeleton arms in the dark. You know, and there's not many opportunities for me to be both dressed for the outdoors and... In complete darkness. Yeah. But perhaps sometime I'll be like at Disneyland and I'll be in the Haunted Mansion and they'll be like, find a way out. And then the lights will go off <gasps> and it'll just and be Marshall me with my glowing arms. Floating, glowing arms. Going, I'm a skeleton. Yeah. I hope to be there for that event. You'll wear it. Like, we'll go to the Haunted Hayride. Or just the, walk it, into a movie theater. Hopefully it's chilly. Walk in, yeah, walk in from well, the daylight the to the Well, the scenario night. for it to work, it would have to be like daytime. You'd have to get the... To the, energize the, Yep, exactly. It's, it's not going to glow if you're just in the dark. Um, I know my mom will be happy. She's always concerned about whether or not people can see you at night. Well, I look forward to seeing your sweatshirt. I think that'll be a lot of fun. Thank you. My horror-related news... More exciting than a sweatshirt uh, purchase? I don't know. Uh, You can be the judge of that. I was recently cast in a uh, Halloween fan film, which Halloween being the horror franchise, the John Carpenter Halloween. So that's going to be really fun. It's a little short film. Um, That's all I'm going to say. Hopefully I'll be able to promote it soon enough on here when it's done. We've already shot one night of it. Now, will they all go onto a website and people will vote on it? I don't believe so. I think it's entered into a certain festival. I think all of these fan films are submitted they're screened at the festival and a winner is announced or something like that but i'm sure it will go online but yeah michael michael myers is going to you know the, that character is in every it's it's in our film so for every applicant at least one person has to buy a michael myers mask yes and actually we shot one night already we were supposed to shoot everything in one night however there was a hold up the mask did not ship when it was supposed to and we got a very special like a really really great mask that's actually based on halloween 2 not the rob zombie halloween 2 but the mask from the second you know from the how, how does that differ if you were to hold them side by side it's a little shadowier it's got a little more depth to it i mean i saw a picture of it, it it's less all white and it's more i guess it just feels deeper kind of um it's hard to describe. You'll see it. All right. And, I, and from the picture, it looks pretty impressive, so I'm really excited about it. How big is the guy playing Michael Myers? He's not that big. I'll be wearing flats. Oh, he has to be bigger sure. than you. It's true. And he's maybe a little bit taller. I think we're going to do some clever camera work to make sure he looks substantially taller. But, you know, as far as broadness, the original actor who played Michael Myers, he was a tall guy. He wasn't a thick guy. He was a pretty slender fella so that part is fine but this guy i already told him he's quite appropriately creepy in real life you know it's a compliment i told him i'm like you are just a little bit weird this is (laughs) this is great so i could not be more excited about that awesome yeah it's pretty awesome so that's my big news Do you know what scolionophobia is? I'm guessing, based on our topic, 
which is horror movies set in schools, that is a fear of schools. You're absolutely right, Marshall. Do you know what... Good research, Kat. <laughs> Do you know what didascalinophobia is? Can you spell that? I can. Will it help? No. Following our theme, a fear of chalk. Chalkboards. Very close. It's, it's kind of tricky because you were absolutely right a semantically. Fear of emptying pencil sharpeners. Scolionophobia is the fear of schools. But no. the second word I'm not going to say again is the fear of going to school, the act of going there. The bus so it's ride. Not, or the um, walk. Or, yeah, any, anything, the fear of putting yourself in that place rather than the fear of the school itself. Both of which, I mean, you know, don't quite really pertain to what we're talking about because I think just at least in real life, those kinds of fears stem from other sources, I guess. You know, like, uh, like a why fear would... fear of public speaking? A fear of public speaking. Fear of crowds. Any kind of agoraphobia, bullying, you know, fear of being picked on um, or association of school with being picked on. So, I mean, you know, that that's, doesn't quite apply. But, you know, I like to try to pronounce things that I can't pronounce, so. One more time. Didascalianophobia. You heard it here twice. <laughs> so yeah, that's uh, you're absolutely right. This episode we are talking about horror movies set in schools, and you specified to me that we wanted to focus on K through twelve rather than college. And I have to say, I don't know about you, but I found it incredibly difficult to find any horror movies that really are in any way associated with elementary or middle school. It's I only all found high one. School. I really only included K through eight because of of one movie called The Lady in White. Go on. The Lady in White was uh, around 1987, starring Lucas Haas mm-hmm. as, oh. as a young lad. It's set in 1960, like two or three, and it's uh, also uh, like a nostalgia piece. It's like, mm-hmm. oh, I remember that October. Yeah. When on Halloween, he gets, as a prank, locked in the cloakroom of his school. And that's nostalgic right there, because I've been asking around, and cloakrooms seem to be... Less and less common in schools. Yeah. And yet, we still wear cloaks. I think that's more common. I, we didn't really have the need for coat rooms or coat hangers. I mean, it was cold in the winter, but we just kind of had... I don't know. I just never experienced that as a kid. But uh-huh. so he gets locked in the cloakroom. What happens to him? He sees a ghost. He <gasps> sees a little girl ghost who is singing a creepy old song, which used to just be an old song. But certain songs, when they get older... <laughs> Yeah. They just sound creepy when they're replayed. Older and or they're ostensibly happy songs that are now associated with something terrifying like Jeepers, Creepers, Where'd You Get Those Peepers? Right? Exactly. Yeah. Uh, What's the song? Jeepers. Oh, I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I I was hoping I had guessed. Yeah. It's the, um, have you ever seen a dream walking? Well, I did. That song is the credits rolling song of A Nightmare on Elm Street 2, Freddy's Revenge. So you know then. I do it's, know this it's a, song. It's, it's a, quite creepy. It's yeah. a creepy song. But I bet when it came out in like the 30s, they were like, Oh, it's just romantic. What a gem. Yeah. I'm going I'm to strum my ukulele and play it to my best gal under the cherry tree. Exactly. Oh, I love that. And then somewhere in the following decades, they're like, Your song's creepy. Sure. So she's in the cloakroom reenacting her murder. Oh. So she, she's talking to an unseen person going like, it's your favorite song. It's the, the creepy sure. song. And then she's like, I want to leave. 
And you get to see like her being strangled <gasps> and then her body being carried away. And the rest of the movie is sort of the young boy finding the killer who, because he's not dead. Right. His half of the ghost reenactment is not present. Oh, right. So it's just her. Oh, weird. So that, it's good and creepy. Not as creepy as I remembered it. Well, actually that scene was, but I went back and watched the movie and it's really broad. Yeah. There's a lot of really broad moments. Like the, the little boy has immigrant grandparents oh. who... There's, like, a scene of them talking about, oh, ten children murdered and molested. Papa, why are you always smoking the cigarettes? <laughs> like, Mom, I'm not smoking. And then he, like, tries to get rid of it and some, you know, smacks himself into the screen door. Yeah. And then sends back to the child murders. It's really an uneven film. Would you have uh, an opinion as to why there aren't more movies that are um, horror movies anyway that are centered around a school scenario for younger kids? I mean, I have my own ideas about well, why they're all high school centric. Well, there's like goosebumps and, and stuff. You don't want to see sure. too much bad happening to little kids. So sure. most scary things that take place around an elementary school are like goosebumps. Yeah. And things like that. Which makes sense. I mean, teenagers are doing all these things that they deserve punishment for, right? Sex, drugs, rock and roll. Indeed. <laughs> and Those classic rules. Teenagers are the prime horror movie target audience. So really, it's not, let's go get some kids. It's, let's put teens in the movies that they watch so they'll watch them. You know, what was the movie you talked about? I was a teenage zombie or I, I was, was a teenage, teenage werewolf. I was a teenage werewolf, right. I was a teenage werewolf was the first horror movie to involve teenagers. Right. Before that, if you wanted a horror movie, it would be adults. Sure. And then they realized they had struck gold with... With I was a teenage mm -hmm. werewolf. Panic penetrates every home when this strange unknown killer hits town, taking hold of the teenage crowd. <laughs> Coloring their practical jokes with hysterical humor that'll make you fall flat on your face with horror. It stars Michael Landon. Aww. One of the uh, drawbacks of having a horror movie set around a high school is high school ends at about 3 o'clock. <laughs> so most monsters and ne'er-do-wells are really nighttime creatures. Most vampires are at night. That's why before Twilight, there wasn't a whole lot of high school vampires. Or there were, but then they'd stop going to school and that's how you knew they were a vampire. Right. It's like there's a lot of empty, uh, empty, empty chairs in yeah. Salem's Lot. Like Fright Night. Who's right showing up today to school? And the original Buffy the Vampire Slayer movie. Oh, yes. They would stop coming to school and... Or they'd come to the basketball game. Yeah. Because that's at night. Sure. But school just stopped. Yeah. However, his werewolf was not controlled by the moon. He was... He was getting in way too many fights. The school recommended to him that he go see, like, this police psychologist. Mm -hmm. So he does, but turns out that police psychologist was a madman who believed that he could regress humanity back to uh, an earlier stage, thereby saving it. Whoa, why would that work? Because ape men have no H-bombs. Right. They also have no the violence control. <laughs> that's true. And that's what happens when uh, right. he finally regresses the them danger. through basically the same science from altered states. I don't know altered states. From the 80s. Ah. And uh, regresses him back to... Not an ape man stage, because it's not I was a teenage ape man, but to a werewolf stage. And so if he just gets overexcited, he'll just turn into a werewolf midday, any time of day or night. And one of these times happen. We don't see the, the first one, but he's in school and he sees a girl practicing her gymnastics. 
So she's all alone in the gym in her leotard. Hello, 1957. Right. And so he's (laughs) just uh, admiring her form, but he's sitting under a school bell. And Uh it goes off and he's like, no! And he puts his hands over his ears and then he transforms into a teenage wolf man. Is it because he's startled by the bell? Doesn't like the bell. Oh, interesting. Dogs don't like noises that are loud and or sharp. So that makes sense. So rather than attack the bell, he attacks the girl. Hmm. And then he goes on a rampage, and the police actually came on board pretty quick, thanks to a Romanian janitor Yeah, that they have. So he can be like, in the old country, it was a werewolf. Oh. Calling all cars, calling all cars, be on the lookout for a werewolf, and then they hunt him down. Spoiler, kill him. <gasps> but they don't say like, oh, the reckless youth of today. They point the finger at the mad scientist. So even though the, it was about teenage monsters... All set in the world of teenagers. Right. It was still like the horror movies from days before where uh, you're pointing the fingers at the adults for tampering with what God made. You are... So that much hadn't changed. Beautifully setting me up to talk about one of the movies I wanted to talk about today. Go on. Tell me if this one made your list, 1998's Disturbing Behavior. Yes. All right, Disturbing Behavior, first of all, was in this golden year of 1998 that, like, four movies I want to talk about happened in. And maybe it's for me because I was a teenager when all these movies came out, or maybe it's just this was was the year. It was like looking in the mirror. Yeah, exactly. But Disturbing Behavior sounds a lot like I was a teenage werewolf as far as the idea of an authority figure tampering with the minds and or bodies of teenagers to create something better. I mean, this weird eugenics thing, because you have the psychologist uh, who's or psychiatrist who's been working at the school for like two years. And he has so much training. He's so great. And ultimately you find out, well, back it up. So this kid, Steve, moves with his family to the town of Cradle Bay in the Puget Sound area. After his brother, eight months earlier, had committed suicide, they're looking for a new life. They're looking for a nice, peaceful way to start over. His parents don't want to talk about his brother killing himself. Steve is traumatized by it, but ready to move forward. So he goes to the high school where he finds out that there's this elite group of kids called that call themselves the Blue Ribbons, who are like all very well-composed. Preppy. And, and very preppy. They all wear blue, and they all wear... The girls are all perfect. They all have nice makeup, and the boys are all clean cut and they do all the right things except when things go completely haywire and they get incredibly violent most of the time when they get turned on or or angry but most of the time there's the line that says uh anytime one of them gets a hard on they try to beat someone with it yes i love it so much but yeah it all stems from this dr caldecott whose daughter went crazy and is in an institution across the bay well he he made her crazy he made her crazy she was just like like a regular teen and he's like let me fix you Whoops. <laughs> but he's determined to perfect it with these other kids. But, you know, Isn't obviously, it? anytime one of them gets a happy feeling in, in their lowdowns, then the wiring goes a little wonky and causes them to get ultra-violent. But it's this idea, I, I love this concept, because the sinning of teenagers is such a prevalent theme in all horror movies, you know? I mean, you've got the rules as they're laid out in Scream about, no you sex. know, don't have any sex, don't do any drugs, because you're definitely going to get killed. It's, it's some kind of moral statement. But this movie kind of goes against that in the sense of the teenagers, or at least Steve, the main character, and his yeah. friends, those who don't ultimately end up getting turned, are all just fighting to try to be able to be normal and... And hang on to their individuality. That's right. 
one of the scenes that really scarred me as a teenager watching yeah. this movie, or not really scar- just stood out so heavily, was the scene where it's towards the climax of the movie, um, <laughs> pun intended, um, sex. Lorna, I think her name is, the really beautiful blonde, Blue yeah. Ribbon, shows up at Steve's house when his parents aren't home and proceeds to come on to him very strongly. And you kind of see, you see him from her vision, which is like a distorted and kind of computerized. Yeah. She's obviously like admiring him physically and it kind of opens her shirt and she's like, It starts, can... he's like drinking a Coke, by yeah. the way, like at an ad. Oh, sexily drinking a Coke, which he's a pretty sexy guy. That's um James Marsden, who's just a dreamboat. So I, I totally get it. Him drinking a Coke, I, I totally get it. Send you right over the edge. But it will, especially if you're Lorna. Of the blue ribbons, and it like triggers something in her. Her hormones kind of forces her into this weird, violent spiral where she starts saying, "I shouldn't be doing this. It's bad, wrong, wrong, bad, bad." And then she slams her head into the mirror, which yeah. I just always thought was really upsetting. Like just that self mutilation kind of—it's worthy of that much kind of punishment. She then tries to kill him with a shard of the mirror. She does. He smacks her around. Apparently, to get them out of this state, you smack him around a little bit. Yeah. And then she goes. I've got a big test tomorrow and takes off with blood all over her face. But I think my favorite moment of this movie, and I've seen this movie lots of times, my favorite moment rewatching it was the janitor, which is another parallel, sort of the sage janitor is another oh, parallel yeah. to I Was a Teenage There's Werewolf. a lot of janitors in these movies. Yeah, the janitor who like kind of just like lives in the basement, you know, he's always it's there. William Sadler. And everyone thinks he's stupid, and he he wants them to, you know. But he's in the basement reading Kurt Vonnegut, and he's very smart. But he uh he kind of has this kind of persona around everybody. He, he talks like William Hickey. Yes. He's like you read Kurt Vonnegut. <laughs> uh, William Hick- Hickey, who was like the old uncle in National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. <laughs> the blessing. Oh, uh... <laughs> the blessing. That's Uncle Lewis. But my favorite moment is with this janitor at the end, he decides to sacrifice himself to try to kill off all these blue ribbons who are beyond help. And in the process, leading them over the edge of a cliff in his car, because they're all, all over his they're car. All, they're all attacking a sonic rat trap that he's learned just makes him furious. He calls them rats! And do you want to do the line that he says as he's killing them all? Uh, I believe he goes, uh, hey, teacher, leave them kids alone. He sure does. But he shouts it victoriously. As, as he drives over the edge. I love it so much. Killing all but just enough to have a twist ending. It's great. But, you know, this is like one of the few movies that I just that are horror movies that I deeply love that kind of fall into sci-fi horror. It's not really like a slasher. It's really just like I'm Invasion guessing... of the Body Snatchers kind of. All right. Following ish. that theme. Why don't you skip down the list to the faculty? Oh, snap! That was pretty high up on my list, too. Also, by the way, 1998. Big year. It was a big year for teenage... Well, for teenage school movies, well, I guess. post-screen, horror, movies. horror was coming back in a big way. That is a very good point. Um, and this one was written by Kevin Williamson. I didn't realize that. And directed screen. by Robert Rodriguez. Two things I just never realized as many times as I've Robert seen Robert Rodriguez, faculty. who uh, we recently found out was the director of Stab. That's right. Stab is the movie within the movie in Scream 2. Mm-hmm. When, in the beginning of Scream 2, we get to see Stab being played in a movie theater, but they never show the director's credit. Right. Now in Scream 4, people are watching it again, and you get to see that it was Stab, directed by Robert Rodriguez. Oh, it's so satisfying. Gotta love those little tie-ins. We've got some Pink Floyd, an- another repeat of uh, Another Brick in the Wall, in the opening scene of The Faculty, which is one long, drawn-out version of Another Brick in the Wall. Yeah, it's a cover. 
Yeah, it's definitely and a cover. They, I know they play it during the football game. It's a little bit more subtle at the beginning, but Let's during see. the entire opening credits, where they actually put a little title of each character's name as they're introducing them. So it's really it's super badass, and you know, yes. like Josh Hartnett, it's like he's holding out his pens Zach, full Zeke. 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 Yeah, he's holding out his pens full of homemade drugs. He looks super awesome. And Elijah Wood's character Casey, the he's the nerd. He's always getting beat up. Fun piece of trivia. When Elijah Wood's character, he's gotten the crap kicked out of at the beginning of the movie, goes to the bathroom to clean up. Yeah. He's sitting in the bathroom stall on top of the toilet, cleaning his bloody nose. And behind him on the wall, amongst all the other graffiti, is uh, a big drawing of a spider. And it says Tito and Tarantula. I did notice. Which is a band that is actually featured in uh, on the From Dust Till Dawn soundtrack. They're featured in Dust Till Dawn. Featured, They're also the featured. They're the house band. Mm-hmm. Which I think is pretty cool. It's a fun little tie-in. Along there. with that little piece of graffiti is a lot of in-jokes. Not a gremlins level of in-jokes, <laughs> but several, including what I didn't recognize at the time, the AV guy for the school is Harry Knowles of Ain't It Cool News. I didn't realize that. He's, well, he's the school nurse is like helping him out, and she goes, he's named Harry. His character's name is Harry. Right. And she's saying, oh, you got to be careful around those projectors. Those teeth can really get oh you. Oh, my God, that's right. That was him. That's great. But to back it up, for anyone who is not familiar with the faculty, do you want to give a short synopsis, Marshall? The faculty is about a group of misfits brought together by the fact that the school is slowly just becoming strange. And then that strangeness sort of gets a name, which is an alien invasion. People are being taken over one at a time by getting little aliens stuck in their ears. Little parasites. Little parasites that go in their ear and take over their bodies. And their mission then becomes to take over more people. Yep. And it starts with their school, which you got to say, why their school? Right. Because it's a high school horror movie. Yes. But they still have to explain it. And they explain it with that it's a big football it town. It is. And that everybody in town is going to be at the football game. So if you want to take over a town, you start with the school. Yep. Faculty. Filmed in Texas. Set in Ohio. Should have just kept it in Texas. Should have kept it in Texas. That makes a lot more yeah, sense. If it had an opening, anything like the opening to the movie Friday Night Lights, you would have never questioned the aliens' plan for taking over <laughs> high school as the central hub of like the local society. Yeah. Robert Patrick plays the uh, football coach, and he's fantastic in this movie, I think. Who goes from the angry at everything football coach to once he gets taken over. It's just like, hey, man. And the, um, the jock. Who's the jock? Um, it is Stan. Stan the jock. Stan the football player, who's decided not to play football anymore. He'd like to turn over a new leaf in his life, one without football. And when he tells the coach, the coach just says, well, you got to do what you got to do. Miss having you. Bye now. He's like, what? Because this is the coach whose first introduction we get is something. I mean, he's just cursing. Yeah. And so I think for Stan, that's how he knows something's up. One at a time, the misfits learn that something's wrong with the school these misfits can be designated by their breakfast club counterparts they sure can which i thought i was unique and clever and discovering when i was watching the movie <laughs> and then you put it up on tumblr yeah i did but i didn't come up with that i just happened to see it that just and means thought it's, it was it's great. out there it's definitely there i'm not the smart one but you know you have your beauty queen played by jordana brewster Jord- jordana brewster yep and her character's name is delilah so she's the sort of queen of the school she was dating the jock of the school like Emilio Estevez. Mm-hmm. Zeke is the uh, the bad boy of the school, repeating his senior year, who deals uh, drugs out of his trunk. 
you've got your beauty queen, you've got your jock, you've got... Um, your geek, a pre-Lord of the Rings Elijah Wood. You have your um, the freak, played by Clea Duvall, who was super huge in the late 90s for high school movies. You yes. know, she was just, she was the freak in every high school movie. Who, she plays a lot of lesbians. Yeah. Or, yeah. in this case, everyone says she Thinks is, she's a just to get on her nerves. But really, she has a crush on Stan. She sure does. Laura Harris, who played Mary Beth Louise Hutchinson, which I thought was the most ridiculous name. Like, just so on the nose as far as if, if you're trying to come up with a really innocent sounding name. Which kind of then eventually makes sense when you realize that she's... Because um, it's a made up name. Her name is probably like Zorgon. Yeah. Because... She's the mother queen alien or whatever. Spoiler, but hey. Whoops! <laughs> the only one who doesn't fit into the Breakfast Club paradigm is the one they've been looking for, which is the queen alien who... They believe, based on reading fiction, if they kill her, everyone else will return to normal. Now, the faculty shines above a lot of the other high school uh, horror movies just in its high schoolness. It's very high schooly. Because most horror movies set around high schools, they start in the high school when everything's okay. Yeah. And then they move on to where things are dangerous. The high schools in horror movies tend to be a bit of a safe haven. Halloween. Yep. The first Halloween, he may be a conscienceless killer. But he never kills anybody at the school. He's there. He's outside. Consciousless. Yeah. But he just lets them go. Lets them, you know, he, he waits till they're away from the school. But the faculty starts at the school. Its middle is pretty much at the school. There's a little diversion when you go to uh, Josh Hartnett's garage for a brief spell. And then they mm-hmm. return to the school to wrap things up. Yep. So during all of this time, they get to use, I'll just say, the tropes of school to play out their horror film. Including, I'll just go right to the top of my list. Sure. The thing that... In my own scenarios, when, when I was a youth, uh, believing that at any moment, what would now be like a zombie attack in most people's imagination at the time was the Russians. So if the Russians were to come into my classroom, what would I do? Yeah. And the answer is you go over to the paper cutter Ooh. with its big blade. Ow. And you've got a Russian killing sword. Yipes. Oh, you break it free. And you break it free, yeah, yeah, yeah. I assume. Yeah, you'd kind of, I mean. As, as Josh Hartnett does, when John Stewart... When he was still acting. Oh, John Stewart. Plays a biology teacher who also gets taken over by an alien. When he becomes threatening, Hartnett goes over to the paper cutter and just gives it a good yank and removes the deadly blade from the rest of the paper cutter. That was such a refreshing thing for me to finally see somebody. Someone's doing it! In a school environment using the paper cutter for how it was probably designed for. Fending off attacks in a schoolroom situation. Right. You're right. I think school tends to be kind of a a reboot, a safe haven of sorts. There are certain, obviously, notable exceptions, like, you know, Nancy falling asleep in her classroom in um, Nightmare on Elm Street. Sure. The principal attack um, in Scream. Yeah. But the way that the faculty opens, I mean, I don't know if you noticed, everyone's beating the crap out of each other. So many fights, like a girl pulling another girl out of her car, and this is all kind of seen through the eyes of the new girl, and just everyone's already fighting. Like, this is already a really toxic place to be. It's not really safe to begin with, but then, of course, you know. And if you follow her story, she's landed on this planet, and everyone's just sort of beating each other up. Right. And she's saying, hey... Once I get parasites in everyone's ears, they're all going to chill out. You're welcome, Earth. That's kind of sweet. She's, yeah, she gives that whole speech naked. Naked. Sometimes censored by shadows. Yep. Sometimes not. We kind of got off track on this, but I have got to talk about the big game, the yes. Friday night football game. Just what a fun scene it is. Because did you attend many Friday night football games? Oh, I did. I, well, I was on the dance team, so I danced on the sidelines 
but yeah, we were, we were a competitive dance team. We went to national competitions every year, but we also danced at all the football and basketball games. So, but uh, yeah, I was at a lot of Friday night football games and, and it really does seem like a genius plan if you're looking to infect a bunch of people. And there were some great shots, you know, Robert Patrick as the um, already taken over football coaches. He's so gleeful about what's going on. Like you're watching these hard hits on the football field and then Usher, the singer, he, he now the in captain his, of the football team, now that Stan quit. That's right. And you see him like tackle a guy and then as the guy's down on the ground, he just leans over ever so subtly and drops one of the little wigglers in the guy's ear and just, just like that. And so you're just imagining it just spreading and spreading and spreading because yeah. it only takes Which, a second to transform. By the way, gave me this thought. Once they're about, let's say, halftime, yeah. then presumably about half of the opposing football team has been infected. I would assume so. So now they're just tackling the crap out of their own alien species. Well, they got to keep up the ruse, right? All right. I think they're smart enough to go, we got to play this game out. So they're just like, tackle. I'm sorry. Yeah. The revolution is soon. (laughs) Well, catch you on the flip side, buddy. But I just, I love that scene so much. I love it. Young man, now give me that knife. Thank you. The, uh, The tropes that they use, the high school things. The, uh, uh, the, the the elements of the high school using they, their environment yeah that they managed to use in the movie getting stabbed with a pencil Ooh. getting stabbed with scissors Ow. collapsible bleachers really come into play uh-huh I know my bleachers collapsed but I don't know if they were I always thought you could just push them in by hand I was never in the room when they were coming in or out of the wall oh I was in mine ours were mechanical really yeah so you could you, squish a big alien yeah you could there yeah. you go. Um, chains on the doors comes up more than once in the, uh, high school movies. In the beginning of the faculty, there's chains on the doors and she can't get she out. She can't get out. But it can open like just enough to like, she can get the keys to get passed into her. Oh, that's really scary. Which the whole opening of the faculty can just sort of live on its own as like a great short. I agree. It, uh, just independent of aliens or anything. Yeah. You had chains on your high school doors, I'm sure, yes. after hours. We we did too, and definitely. If, if you were there early enough in the morning, you could just hear them. The custodian would just sort of drag them through the hallways. You could just hear dragging Jacob Marley-esque chains. That's so, that's so creepy. I love it. Uh, at one point, they trap one of the people in a volleyball net. Oh, yeah. That's the um, the principal. There's an alien getaway in a student driver car. Yep. Um, a CPR doll is employed. During the earlier stages when someone's saying, they're an alien, there's a dead body in the closet, it's just a recessa Annie. Yeah. You're crazy. We're going to get your parents. I I love the idea of coming up with, uh, what else can I use that's around a, a high school? What can yeah. you get stabbed with? Now, what they don't use to stab somebody with is, which is begging for a stabbing, is a compass. The, oh, the kind, the manual, the kind you have the to draw, kind, you're using in algebra? That pointy side is just murder pointy. I forgot my chemistry book. So who cares? I always forget my chemistry book and my math book and my English book and my, let's see, my French book. And, well, who needs books anyway? I don't need books. I, I always forget all of my books. I mean, <laughs> so Josh Hartnett in 1998 was a busy boy. Uh-huh. In the uh, Halloween H2O, colon, 20 years later. Oh, I believe is the full title. This 86-minute film is just one of my all-time favorite movies ever. Now, is it because of the age you were? When it came out? Absolutely not. I did not see Halloween H2O until probably three years ago. So really, really somehow it, I don't know why, but to me, it is. And to me now it's one of only three movies I even consider to be canon. 
Halloween, Halloween okay. 2, Halloween H2O. I ignore everything in the middle. So it's a very important movie to me. One of the reasons is because of all the wonderful character and story stuff that is, in my opinion, just perfect. Okay. But also, I just think it being set at a secluded boarding school accomplishes so purely that horror movie trope of being um, in a castle? completely isolated. Well, I never thought of it that way. Or but on just, an island and disturbing behavior. Just Yeah, just isolated. Disturbing behavior, yeah, it works kind of in that way too. You have to take a ferry to get there or, or get off. But it's kind of like there's just nowhere to go. In 1930, the Republican-controlled House of Representatives, in an effort to alleviate the effects of the... Anyone? Anyone? The Great Depression passed the... Anyone? Anyone? The Hawley-Smoot Tariff Act, which class? Anyone? Anyone? You get a great classroom scene that is a perfect echo of a classroom scene from the first movie. You know, there's a scene in Halloween where Jamie Lee Curtis's character, Laurie, is sitting in the classroom hearing the teacher talk about fate never changes. Okay, and in Halloween H2O, she's the teacher now, she and is. she's teaching the class about... Frankenstein. Frankenstein and, and kind of Victor Frankenstein's responsibility to face his monster, which in a way is kind of an, a meditation on fate as well. But you have Michelle Williams' character kind of sitting there, just as Jamie Lee Curtis's character did in the first movie, staring out the window while the teacher's trying to get her attention. It's just this beautiful echo. That's one of the things I wanted to talk about was um, high school... And the classroom setting and what you're learning being a great device to sort of... Foreshadowing? Yeah. Well, in uh, Disturbing Behavior, they're talking about great expectations. That's right. And this time, instead of just the audience going, that's got to do with what that guy's thinking about. <laughs> Which goes beyond horror movies. Just yeah. most movies set in high school. If you watch the beginning of Red Dawn, sure. there's about five seconds of classroom talk and it's all about a conquering army. And then it's like, hey, there's Russians outside. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And in this one, the teacher actually says, hey, Steve, uh, it's kind of like what you're going through right now. And He does. Know, he draws like, a, a literal parallel. I was just thinking that. Uh-huh. <laughs> in The Faculty, they're talking about uh, Robinson Crusoe and loneliness. And then when they're in history class, they're talking about conformity for the power of the state. Quite apropos. A little on the nose. And then another movie I watched was A Cutting Class mm-hmm. with a very young Brad Pitt. Ooh, I like that. Uh, where the chemistry class sets up very dangerous chemicals. Where, where the teacher's like, if you add this to this, there's going to be a big explosion. <laughs> and then basically the same thing. I also watched Class of Newcomb High. I've heard of this. And there's a scene where a guy just says, what, what's this? It's a laser. And if you point it at a radioactive molecule, it's going to blow up the school, which at the end does. Yeah. And one of the shots of the school blowing up is of clearly some factory. And you can read the factory name on the side that was being imploded. <laughs> so they, they, they sent That's a film crew amazing. down. That's amazing. It's still red brick, but like it says on the side, like Domino Sugar or like something like oh that. Oh my God, that's great. I love that. That's really fun. Yeah, and you're right. I guess you're right. I mean, I, I love to give all that credit to horror films, but the classroom is a perfect place to set up or things themes, are kind of on the ideas, nose. or foreshadowing. Yeah, but that's done really well in H2O, in my opinion. And the way that the story kind of fishtails to create a situation where these characters are isolated as the school almost the entire student body is going on a trip to Yosemite. To Yosemite. What and... one character just about all we know about her is she hates Yosemite. Mm-hmm. I think the I best word this... she can come up with is repugnant. That's the best word she can yeah. think of to describe it. Uh, when I watched this to research for uh, this episode 
I was a week out from having visited Yosemite for the first time. Oh, and would you describe it? (laughs) Majestic. And you know what? If she'd gone to Yosemite, she would have lived and experienced majesty. Her death comes in a uh, nicely set up dumbwaiter. There's some nasty gore in this movie that uh, slaps me across the face every time. I always forget about it. Her leg gets pretty much almost severed. It's really disgusting. By a falling dumbwaiter. By a falling dumbwaiter. And as soon as you see that dumbwaiter, you're like... Someone's going to go in or come out of that dumbwaiter or make some kind of tense escape, which does happen. Uh Although then she gets stuck in it and it takes most of her leg, which wouldn't have happened. She was at Yosemite enjoying its majesty. It's true. (laughs) Um, Cameo by Janet Lee playing Norma. Yuck, yuck, yuck. And the car is is the original car from Psycho. Janet Lee plays a receptionist of sorts at the, or maybe she's something higher than that. She plays Janet Lee, cameoist. Yeah, she's really, is is all that role was. She plays kind of Jamie Lee Curtis's assistant, but Jamie Lee Curtis is, she's walking outside of the squatter and she gets a spook from Janet Lee's character. She says it's Halloween, everyone's entitled to one good scare, which is, of course, a reference to the original film. And in this movie, they have a fire axe, which in movies are never used for fires. No. Did your school have any fire axes? Um, anywhere? Maybe. I, 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 I'll just say resoundingly no. I don't think, I think we just had alarms. I don't think we had an axe. There's a killing with a pointy end of a flag. Plenty of flags around. Ah, yes. And there's um, also a great moment in the uh, cafeteria where she's hiding under. That's a good use of the high school environment where they're in the cafeteria. cafeteria She's hiding under the table. Well, and he's walking across, and then he's pulling them up two by two and flinging them with his super strength. That was a pretty fantastic scene. So scary! It gets me every time. Yeah, I just love H2O. I think it's... I, I can't say enough good things about it. I mean, I like this kind of scorecard you've created of, like, how well do they use the environment of high school? Of high school. How much of a high school movie? Right. Now, just going on things from horror movies and other films set in high schools, The Boiler Room seems Ooh. to be pretty accessible and everyone kind of knows where it is. Yeah. Boiler Room slash just basement in general. When, when, when somebody in a in one of these movies says, like, where is he? In the boiler room. Let's go there. Yeah. In my high school experience, that will be met with, wait, where? Yeah. The boiler room? Like, I'm sure there must have been a boiler room slash basement of sorts in my high school. Couldn't, if, if you gave me $500, I mean, I could probably find a door at this point eventually. marked. Yeah. Of course, but like, did I know during all the time? Absolutely not. They skipped that out of the freshman orientation, and yet (laughs) everyone seems to know where the boiler room is. Everyone knows in the movies. It's true. I I took a uh, a sort of informal poll of people I went to high school with, and I was like, guys, where's the boiler room? Where where all the kids went and smoked cigarettes and met up with the janitors to get sage advice. Or where people would get murdered, or there's a fire there and you can hide bodies. Or Freddy Krueger. Freddy Krueger's working in there. Sure. And there's always like some dirty cot. Because someone's got to, like, sleep off a drunk yeah. in the boiler room. God. And... Nobody? Uh, no. I, <laughs> I, I can only guess at it, and my old high school was torn down, so the secret of where the boiler room was has gone with it. Yep. It's the night of the senior prom. The Bates High School gym is alive with excitement. Everybody is there. Even Carrie White. Um. Continuing down your list... Well, uh, Carrie, I wanted to talk about, of course. Let's talk about Carrie right now. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you know, of course, the opening scene just, I mean, can you imagine how traumatizing poor Carrie White getting her period? You know what? And not knowing what's going on. That's considered the opening scene. 
But well. right before that is just her sucking at volleyball. Well, it's oh yeah, and get, which, getting which is, hit in the face. And... Yeah, even though I never experienced menstruation in high school or elsewhere. <laughs> kind of glad you didn't. That would be weird. I did suck at more than one phys ed. Yeah. <laughs> um, oh God. Sport, which just that carried. So that scene hit home for you. Well, it, it carried me right through the scene to follow. Sure. Where I'm like, yeah, I may not have, may, may not relate with that scene. Yeah. But uh, I'm still feeling the sting of that missed volleyball. Right. For anyone who's been living under the world's biggest rock, Carrie, 1976, directed by Brian De Palma, is a Stephen King tale. The first Stephen King novel to be adapted into a film. First Stephen King novel to be published. Yeah. Period. But it's about a girl, Carrie White, whose mom is crazy religious and has prevented her from knowing the ways of the world to the extent, again, she's 17. She gets her first period. She has no idea what's going on. She thinks she's dying. I mean, her mom calls her breasts dirty dirty pillows. pillows. Like, it's just... Oh man, and I Locks remember in the closet. I remember reading this book as a kid, well before I should have, but my mom was a member of Stephen King book club. It still is, and that's kind of, I mean there was a whole shelf full of nothing but Stephen King. So I, and I read I started reading did, very early. Did something draw you to that one or you're just reading whatever? I read mo- a lot of them. <laughs> just it's a very simple book and a very simple story and a simple movie, but it's so powerful. Because to me, a great high school horror movie deals a lot with feelings of isolation. All those feelings that are really inherent for high schoolers that, like, you know, the whole cabin in the woods thing, you are your own cabin in the woods in high school. You are kind of... Right? No, I, I know, I just came up with it on the fly, right? Did you? <laughs> I actually did. But, did you know, you? poor little Carrie White. She's just the epitome of that. Her life is a horror movie. And I love it because it's such a beautiful, simple story about kind of the dangers of repression. And I think that kind of goes counter to a lot of the themes of other horror movies as far as kids doing bad things and getting in trouble for them. I mean, the other kids kind of get punished for being little buttheads because... You mean the ones in the school dance? Yeah, the ones who set her up and create the situation that causes her to go all telekinetic and crazy. But For those of you who haven't seen Carrie, the girls who taunt her the most uh, are not allowed to attend the prom. That's right. So two different girls take two different tacks. One of them says, hey, I feel really bad. Take my boyfriend to the prom. And the other one says, I'm going to get that Carrie White. Has John Travolta slaughter a pig, gets a bucket of pig blood, rigs the, the bucket of blood. To fall on a particular spot, rigs the the prom queen and king uh-huh. uh, so that she'll be standing on that particular spot in front of everybody when she gets the blood dumped on her. Unbeknownst to her, Carrie has some telekinetic powers that are just starting to pop. Yep. And then she lays waste to the prom in a very um, memorable scene. Uh, we both uh, seen Carrie and read Carrie. And we've both read uh, Stephen King's On Writing. Mm-hmm. There's a section where he talks about his inspirations for Carrie White, which... Two girls, right? Two girls and both kind of sad lives. And it's it's just, you, you watch Carrie and you know, like, well, that's fiction. No one's got telekinesis. And with reading On Writing, it's like, well, just in case you forgot, there's still miserable girls out there uh, with yeah. miserable high school lives. It's his little tribute to those girls. And he names them, well, I, I think, I think he gives some fake names. Oh, yeah. For the book. But he goes into, I don't know if this name was changed, that one of them had a dog named Cheddar Cheese. And somehow I find that so sad. It is. Because what a sweet doggy name. Yeah. What a cutesy little name. Yeah. And then those girls burned out One of early. them uh, had a, like a super religious mom. And the other had parents who were like contest addicts like they didn't pay much attention to their kids but they were crazy about entering contests and they had it said they had jack benny's car the old maxwell but no love for their daughter she would come to school every day with the same outfit and then one day she came in with like a perm and like a nice new outfit 
and they teased and they her gave her an even harder time. Ever. I remember that story. That's just, so sad. Oh, damned if you do. Damned if you don't. Oh, high school. It's so brutal. Which is why we're doing this podcast. <laughs> I don't know how true this is. Again, this is trivia I got on IMDb. Nancy Allen, who plays Sue Snell, who's John Travolta's girlfriend okay. in the movie. They're horrible, mean teenagers. It says that Nancy Allen claims that she never realized her character was going to be so evil until she saw the finished film. Because she thought that she and John Travolta were playing such self-centered, bickering morons that they were there for comic relief. And Piper wow. Laurie, who played Carrie's mom, it says she thought the character of Margaret White was so over the top the film had to be a comedy. And to me, it's, she's rivetingly terrifying. Well, a lot of uh, teen horror movies, mostly in the 80s though, are comedies. When I set out to create a list of horror movies set in high schools, what I kept coming up with were just really silly movies. Sure. Hut really? in Class, early Brad Pitt. Student Bodies, I couldn't find a copy of. Return to Horror High, early George Clooney. Early George Clooney. Uh, Return to Horror High is set in a high school, but it's them filming a movie in high school, which is kind of brilliant because anytime the boom mic got in the shot, you could kind of pass it off as just being a bit of stray equipment. Oh, boy. I saw the boom mic twice in like the first 10 minutes. Also, there's some precedents for that horror movie being shot in a high school. Evil Dead 2 was shot in a high school in North Carolina. Really? It was an hour and 20 minutes away from your high school. What? You may have played that high school in, like, basketball. Where was this? Wadesboro. What? Oh, my gosh. It's on the other side of Charlotte. Wait, so, like, the all the house stuff? Well, they say they built sense in the gym. Okay. They probably The gym probably functioned as sort of a soundstage. Return to Horror High also has the, the great cheerleading skeleton poster, which, hey, everybody, check it out. And 10 minutes into it, George Clooney dies. And then you can just kind of, you know, not worry about it too much. Spoiler alert. Big old spoiler. <laughs> but, yeah, most of them are comedies. And I think some of the potency of Scream when it came out was just that it was pretty similar to, like, Cutting Class, if Cutting Class had taken itself seriously. Right. Somehow it, Scream... Gets it, that balance right. And they still managed to have jokes. Yeah, it's funny. But, but it wasn't, you know, murder, goofy, murder, goofy. Yeah, and you're right. It's just, Scream kind of broke the mold and became what everyone else wanted to emulate. It was not only deeply scary, at least for me, I thought it was just such a scary movie with so many surprises. You just did not know what was going to happen. And at the same time, it was incredibly self-reflective and smart. <laughs> Oh, you want to play psycho killer? Can I be the helpless victim? Okay, let's see. No, please don't kill me, Mr. Ghostface. I want to be in the sequel. We have a great scene where Sidney, Nev Campbell's character, is um, in the bathroom all alone, and there's a ghost face. Killer behind the bathroom doors. Here's a notable difference between my high school and the high school of these films. Uh Bathroom doors. I don't know what went down in between when these bathrooms were built and when I came around, but at some point, some administrator must have said, no more shenanigans behind bathroom doors. Remove them all. So. Wait. Off, even, I'm sorry. Stall doors. Well, okay, but still. So, off the stalls. Our even, bathrooms had doors. Sometimes right. there's more than one. Do you know, even in the ladies' room, they didn't have stalls? <sighs> stall doors? That's a good question. I tell you what, it's one thing for a guy to, well, I don't know. I mean... Well, this gets into a completely inappropriate discussion, but I'm going to go there since you brought it up. Ones versus twos. Ones and twos. I mean, it's one thing for a guy to go onesies. 
Because, you know, usually you're at a urinal anyway, so who cares? But what if you got to go twosies? And girls, we sit down for everything. For, for twosies, uh, in, in that rare occasion, I think uh, you would know what's the least populated bathroom. God, what a nightmare. And, and, I, and, wow, and, that's and just a it. certain type of torture. And go to, like, whatever stall is the furthest from the door and then just, like... Hope no one else comes in? Yeah, Ugh. just be like... For God's... But there, there was one, there was a math teacher who I would hear other kids talk about this, and then I experienced it myself, which... Um, he had like a regular bit of business to do. And if he saw you in there, he'd just start up a conversation and you're just like trapped talking to a pooping teacher. Oh my God. (laughs) That is your own personal high school horror movie right there. Yeah. And you're just like, I want to leave and I don't want to make eye contact. Oh my God. Why was he so okay with it? All right. We got to move on. Now I'm going to mention something that was not on your list that uh, I find one of the most unique high school horror films ever. Go ahead. Ginger Snaps. I own a copy. I've never seen it. Then I'm going to show you what it looks like. Please. Uh, The copy I own doesn't have the cover, so... There's a cover. It is Canadian. I'd never heard of it until I was watching the commentary for Juno. And uh, the girl who works in the abortion clinic, they, they pointed out, oh, she was in Ginger Snaps which I'd never heard of, and then checked out and found an awesome Canadian high school girl werewolf movie. Is this girl, I'm looking at pictures of two girls, this girl looks to be the younger sister from Disturbing Behavior. Can't say that she's not. That was made in Canada. What's the year? Because I don't even know. Because it was so off my radar. Uh, 2000. 2000. Mm -hmm. A year when I worked in a video store. And it just completely passed me by. Whoa. Whoa? That's it? Whoa? I can't have a hairy chest to be. That's fucked. Um, let, let's remember our, our school days. It gets dark early when you're, you know, in the fall. Yes. And that that can make things good and creepy. And they're out in the dark in like a, and I guess probably most of Canada, you probably in the suburbs, you don't have to go too far to hit some woods. And they're in the woods and one of them gets attacked by a werewolf. And uh, she's just uh, like Carrie uh, menstruating for the first time. The, oh. The first of the two oh. sisters. And they smell it. Yeah, and by the way, and that's not the end of the menstruation parallels. <laughs> Thank God, because I need more. <laughs> oh, this okay, the tagline on this says, Hungry Like the Wolf. Yes. I've seen another poster that says they don't call it the curse for nothing. That because is genius. It's lunar, you know. <gasps> right. The and she, As she, our, our menstrual cycles, as many would yeah. claim and could maybe even prove, yeah. Well, it's you know, the, the cycle. Yep. So the wolf goes after her, she gets a bite. And over the next 30 days, uh-huh. she slowly starts to transform. This movie, like Idle Hands... I love that movie. Yeah, does the old monster at a Halloween party. Ah, oh, so no one recognizes. So, so, so yeah, no one yeah, yeah. recognizes, like, hey, you're well on your way to becoming a werewolf. <laughs> and this one, it's not like she becomes a werewolf and then the next day she's back to being a girl. She's on her way to becoming just a full-on 24-7 Ooh. werewolf. Oh, that's wrong. And it's That's terrifying. Kind of up to her sister, who is the mousier of the two, to try to stop her sister from killing further. Oh. Uh, you know. Is it possible to uh, reverse the effects at well, all? Well, there's or a, once... some wolfbane. Which, is that what that's used for? Well, it, her their mom uses it for decorating. <laughs> okay. And there's a local, um, not unlike Zeke from the faculty. Uh-huh. He's kind of a local drug guy slash botanist. Yeah. So he knows a lot about plants and everything. 
So if she can get the wolfbane, he can make it into a serum. They've just got to get it to Ginger. That's the her name. How appropriate. How appropriate. Ginger <laughs> snaps. Uh, has, has to get it to her before it's too late. And it this takes itself like seriously. such a romp. So, yes. Uh, Ginger snaps. Cat, I recommend it to you. Great. Listeners, I recommend it to you. I, I'll let you know what I thought of it. Excellent. That sounds like fun. Uh, did you spend much time in your high school uh, at night? A good bit. I did plenty of after school stuff. I was on the dance team. We had rehearsals after school. Those usually ended early evening, but I know there were a couple times where I was there for meetings for we had a we had a an interact club. That's what it was called. It was kind of like a community service thing. Okay. And I was president of the beta club. I don't think we even met that much. What do betas so do? We make the good grades on our papers and Should grades. it be the Alpha Club? Uh, don't ask me. Okay. I made the Alpha grades, that's all I know. But yeah, I was there. I was there several times after hours. And where I went to high school, it's not in the middle of nowhere, but it's definitely surrounded by trees. My high school would have been really great as a setting for a horror film, I think. Just because, first of all, it was in the South, so there's all kinds of stuff that goes along with that. It's not like I was. It was surrounded by inbred Hicks or anything. No more than any other place in the South. But you've my got school that. had one Hicks. And oh, was me. nice. Marshall Hicks. <laughs> Zing. But as far as like, I mean, there were definitely, there are definitely ample woods to run into if one had to be running away That's your from survival school. technique? Run no, into the woods? No, no. I'm, I'm just saying I, it's, it's a great creepy setting for a horror movie and probably no one would survive. There you go. My high school was torn down. I haven't been in the new one. Can't say how it would fare. Yeah. Uh, in the old one, if I were to be on the victim side of things... I could lock myself in the dark room, which had a lock on its door, so people didn't come in and like expose the photos or the film while they were still drying with chemicals. Yep. Now, in the, in the advent of digital cameras, I don't think the new school would have a dark room. And That's if they sad. if they did, it's probably storage by now. Unless there's some kind of like photography class. Even if that still, goes on, do, do you think you should go visit next time you're home? Yeah, just. <laughs> just gonna get go, locked in the dark room and murdered, yeah. and, and just say like, "Hey guys, is there a lockable room around here with yeah. very little lighting?" And also, may I check the bathroom to see if the bathroom stalls have doors? Yeah, when you guys built this place, did you say, "You know, what? we're starting over"? The kids wear uniforms now. They wear uniforms now. Back when I went to school, you could wear a T-shirt that said Nirvana. Yep. But then they uh, they instituted um, uh, uniforms for all of them. So I wonder what that's like. It's probably a lot like disturbing behavior. Yep. Now I won't go back. Bringing it back around. But, um, I would go to my high school at night from time to time for the school newspaper, which I was on. Working on the school paper which, at night? Uh, the layout. But at the time, we had to actually, we would print out the articles on a computer, but then we would lay them out with, like, hot wax in the form of which they would eventually take as a newspaper. What? Before it went off to the printers. That sounds like a nighttime ritual waiting for a serial killer to come. Bust in on and murder you. I'm calling it paper cuts. Oh, snap. Copywritten. <laughs> Provided that all you have to do to copyright something is shout copywritten. Right. Uh, well, and you've done that, and now it'll be, quote, on the air. So I think that's double official. Got it on wax, thieves. Don't take my great paper cuts idea. <sighs> oh, man. I expect a paper cuts update the next podcast. Paper cuts, too. Electric boogaloo. <laughs> Sounds like school's out. So, <laughs> no, do I like that? Do that again. Uh, it sounds like school's out. 
So if you enjoyed this podcast, I'd like to hear from you. I know we're getting listeners, but I have no idea who they are. So write to us at boysandghouls at gmail.com or give us a like on Facebook or leave a comment on iTunes. And Kat, until next time... Beware the moon. Beware. Beware.